We've been looking at Isaiah 53, this wonderful passage written 700 years before the Lord Jesus Christ was born, clearly speaking about the coming Messiah and how he would suffer and how he would die in our place. Uh, this is the passage, of course, that the Ethiopian eunuch was reading uh, in the desert when Philip the Evangelist chased after him in his chariot and explained that this is speaking about Jesus and how he loved us and how he died for us. Well, we there are five stanzas we've been looking at. We look at the fifth one now, and this is the servant pleased. We've had him presented, we've had him profaned, we've had him punished, we've had him passive. Now this is the servant pleased. Let's look at verses 10 to 12. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labour of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Isn't that wonderful? This is the Lord Jesus. Just think about this. That, that, that lips, which called Lazarus out of the grave, are now still and silent as he's on the cross. The head, which had been anointed by Mary, now crowned with thorns, eyes that had wept over Jerusalem, are now closed, and hands that had blessed little children, and now nailed to a cross, feet that had walked on water are fastened to a cross. The heart of compassion is now broken and still. I imagine after he had dismissed his spirit, because they didn't actually kill him, they crucified him with the intention of killing him, but he dismissed his spirit, he gave himself over to death. I can imagine the mob sort of eventually, probably gladly, uh, sort of dispersing. The Pharisees, no doubt, being very self-congratulatory, rubbing their hands with glee. Good, we've got rid of him. The Sadducees would have sighed with relief. The man who was speaking about eternal life, gone. Good. The centurion, perhaps he has to go and make his official report. Mary. Can you imagine this? Mary, the mother of the Lord Jesus. I'm sure she was bowing her head and weeping. The eleven disciples scattered like frightened sheep. But Joseph and Nicodemus go and ask for the body of the Lord Jesus and they take it, they bind it. it, it it's a, it, the entrance of the cave, the huge stone rolled in front and sealed so it couldn't be broken, then guarded probably by a, a Roman guard, which would be a minimum of 16 soldiers. But three days later, the Lord Jesus Christ triumphed over the grave. He defeated death. The stone rolled away, not so much to let out Jesus, but to let us look in and see he's risen from the dead. Remember Jesus' words to John, the disciple, years later, I became dead, but I am alive forevermore. You sort of see in these last three verses uh, the cross from God's point of view. Jesus is rewarded. He's resurrected and he's rewarded. And his seed is his spiritual family. It's all those who've come to a time in their lives when they've repented of their sin and they've trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. This is the judge taking the place of the criminals and meeting the, the just demands of God's holy law. It's an amazing thing. 
the one who had every right to condemn us all, takes on himself condemnation that we might therefore have no condemnation if we're in Christ Jesus. We see him, he's despised, he's rejected, he's stricken, he's afflicted, he's wounded, he's sacrificed, he's the man of sorrows, the silent lamb of God, but now he's the conqueror, he's risen. And the servant sort of gazes on the results of his sufferings and is content to have borne all the affliction that he suffered. The grief that he endured, the suffering, the pain for our sin, now has its fruit. The grief is past. The glory which he's going to see throughout all eternity continues and lasts. It's almost as if on the seventh day of creation, God created the world in those six days. Seventh day he rested and it was a rest of victory. So redemption ends with a satisfied servant. He has, he has died to redeem lost humanity. I love the words of Alec Matea who wrote so effectively on the book of Isaiah. He says that Christ is the executor of salvation. The Lamb's book of life where every every believer's name is written the lamb's book of life is his prayer list isn't that wonderful the lord intercedes for us and that's what we read right at the end made intercession for the transgressors now in all the verses that we've read before there's not a syllable about jesus doing anything other than suffering and paying for our sin because it's in his death that his real eternal work begins we, as it were, follow the Lord Jesus Christ to the cross and then to the graveyard from which uh, he, he, he rises. In the first section, it, it's all about us. He's led as a lamb to the slaughter. Why for us? Look at verse 4. We read about our griefs. Look at verse 5. We read about our sorrows, our transgressions, our iniquities, our peace. We read that we are healed. Verse 6, us all. It's all about us. Then in the second section of this great chapter, it's about the Lord. So verse 8, my people. Verse 10, when you make, verse 11, my righteous servant, he shall bear. Verse 12, he was numbered. He bore sin. He makes intercession. It, it goes from us, and, and the reason he has to suffer is because of our sin. And it goes to God and how he sees things. And he sees lost humanity and he offers to us all forgiveness and new life. If only we'll turn from our sin and trust him. Thank him that he loved us enough to die for him. Live in the light of what he's done. I say that, I remember reading a very sad story that came from the Vietnam War. It concerns a United States soldier who saw one of his friends shot and wounded by the Viet Cong and just lying on the ground. So, under tremendous fire, this particular soldier crawled to try and rescue uh, the one who'd been injured. He, he did get him back to safety, but in so doing, he was killed. Well, the parents no doubt received notification of their son's death and it must have been heartrending. But after the war, his parents felt we, we'd like to we'd like to meet the person our son died for and uh, they they managed to get in touch and they invited him for a meal and eventually arrived but do you know 
he arrived tipsy, he'd been drinking. And over the meal, his behaviour and his conversation was just disgraceful. When eventually they bade him farewell, the wife turned to her husband and said these words, to think that our darling son had to die for that. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of all glory, has come from heaven to earth to go to a cross to die for you and for me, that we might be forgiven. The Lord Jesus has given us, given his all to us. He, he, he withheld nothing. He gave everything for us. And every Christian is somebody who says, I'm bought with a price. I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. And the price, the precious blood of the Lord Jesus and all his sufferings. The least we can do, the most reasonable service is to come to him and thank him and ask him to forgive us. The risen Jesus, by his spirit, to live within us, to make us his, to take us through life, yes, one day through death, and then to be with him forever in heaven. Heaven is not a reward for doing good, otherwise none of us would go. Heaven is a gift which the Lord Jesus Christ purchased and he offers. He offers to you and to me. And the question is, will you ask him to forgive you? Thank him for dying for you. Ask the risen Christ to become your Lord and your Saviour.